o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, April 6th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. New York hasn't had a chief judge in six months, and it could be a while before there's a new one. Governor Kathy Hochul has two more weeks to make a new selection and then seek approval from the state Senate. I want someone who looks at each case that comes before them without a political leaning. So I've not wavered from the objectives that I had before. Those are still my objectives today. A national green group is suing a Jefferson County dairy farm, claiming its manure is polluting the St. Lawrence River. But the farmer appears to have the state on his side, and he says the suit is meritless. We we have to abide by uh, zero tolerance, you know, and it's a law. You think I want anything to happen to us? Grandpa started to farm in 1945 with 13 cows, and I pride myself on, you know, having a nice place. Also, the village of Lake George got its first new mayor in more than 50 years this week. And Potsdam will get a new $600,000 skate park next summer. All of that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Cronin's Golf Resort, a regional destination for golf, dining, and lodging in the southern Adirondacks. Details at croninsgolfresort.com and adirondackexplorer.org and the adirondackalmanac.com seeking solutions to the Adirondack Park's challenges in print and online. Good morning. I'm David Summerstein, news director here at NCPR. Just taking a quick moment from Northern Light to encourage you to donate right now for our spring fundraiser, ncpr.org slash give. You can also call somebody 1-877-388-6277. Talk with somebody in our membership team, wide awake, ready to take your donation. This is irreplaceable stuff, what you're hearing on Northern Light. News, conversation, voices around the North Country that you simply can't get anywhere else. It's a big undertaking. It takes a lot of reporters in the field out there talking with people, out there doing the research, finding the facts, uh, sorting through complicated issues. And you help us pay for it. You're the largest source of funding for this station, for shows like Northern Light. And so we're asking you now, please, Make your donation for regional news that you can trust. NCPR.org slash give or call 1-877-388-6277. Be a part of the team. Get the NCPR retro t-shirt for $10 a month. The Momentum coffee and the NCPR retro uh, coffee mug for $15 a month. Whatever you can do to donate, please. It's the second last day of our fundraiser. Do it now. NCPR.org slash give. Thanks very much. On to Northern Light. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. A national environmental not-for-profit is suing a Jefferson County dairy farm, claiming its manure is polluting the St. Lawrence River. The owner of Wood Farms says the lawsuit is meritless. And as David Summerstein reports, the farmer appears to have the State Department of Environmental Conservation on his side. 
The Center for Food Safety, based in Washington, D.C., filed a lawsuit in federal court late last month. It claims wood farms in Cape Vincent, a farm milking more than 1,000 cows and raising another 1,000 heifers, is violating the Clean Water Act by polluting a nearby creek that flows into the St. Lawrence River. Charles Tebbit is an attorney representing the not-for-profit. The wood farm is discharging pollutants, it's discharging manure, Uh, from its facility into uh, Willow Creek, which feeds the St. Lawrence River. The lawsuit claims the farm's manure spreading plan is saturating the soil and causing runoff. And Tebbit says the farm's clay-lined manure lagoons are insufficient. So the lagoons are leaking to groundwater, which uh, they're only less than a mile away from the river. But a letter from the State Department of Environmental Conservation, which oversees and inspects dairy farms' environmental operations, disputes the Center for Food Safety's allegations. It says the DEC did issue a violation to wood farms for polluting Wheeler Creek in 2014. But subsequent inspections found the problem was fixed and the farm hasn't been cited since. The DEC says inspections in 2019 and 2022 found the farm's manure lagoons properly designed and found its manure spreading within best management practices. It's disgusting. That, like in this day and age, that you can just somebody's doing everything by the book. You're going to go and oh, I'm I'm filing a lawsuit against this dairy. Lyle Wood, co-owner of Wood Farms, says his farm has been a state dairy of distinction for years. He says he follows all the regulations for concentrated animal feeding operations, or CAFOs, as the letter from the DEC indicates. We, we have to abide by uh, zero tolerance, you know, and it's a law. You think I want anything to happen to us? Grandpa started farming in 1945 with 13 cows. And I pride myself on, you know, having a nice place. The driveways are paved. I mean... Charles Tebbit, the lawyer for the not-for-profit, says the bigger issue is that even with state and federal CAFO regulations, modern industrial dairy farming produces too much manure to manage safely, and eventually it pollutes rivers and lakes. The nitrates and phosphorus in the manure lead to algal blooms uh, in the St. Lawrence River. They're what are called nutrients that are the key nutrients in triggering algal blooms. I asked Tebbit if this lawsuit is a test case to be applied to other dairy farms around the North Country. He said no, but... This is also, if you will, a shot across the bow to the other dairies that they better clean their act up, too. Farm co-owner Lyle Wood says if the Center for Food Safety proceeds with its lawsuit, he'll fight it in court. David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio. Some updates in COVID-19 news. First, St. Lawrence Health will close its three testing sites next week. Testing centers located at Governor Hospital on Market Street in Potsdam and on Andrews Street in Messina have operated since the height of the pandemic. They've seen a significant decline in volumes and will close at the end of the day Friday, April 14th. Patients who need COVID testing will still be able to get it through their providers or urgent care. Also, recent data from Cornell University researchers shows eviction rates are back up to pre-pandemic levels across New York. It's been over a year since the state's eviction moratorium expired. WSKG's Megan Zarez reports. Russell Weaver led the study. He says evictions rose the sharpest in areas that didn't see a whole lot of evictions before the pandemic. Some of the largest increases in the rates of eviction filings are in smaller counties. Weaver says statewide corporate landlords were responsible for a much larger share of eviction cases than prior to the pandemic. The incorporated landlords 
are making up a larger and larger share of eviction filings over time. That's consistent with what you're seeing on the ground in Ithaca. In Ithaca, over 80% of all eviction cases were brought by leasing companies rather than individuals or mom and pop landlords. Weaver says evictions don't just affect the person being evicted, they also impact the community as well. All of a sudden, community structures are starting to break down. That Someone who might have been you know, maybe a, a member of a parent-teacher association or a member of other organizations is gone, and that leads to um, a little less social cohesiveness in neighborhoods. He says communities that saw a larger number of evictions also tended to see an increase in crime and a decrease in voter turnout. In Ithaca, I'm Megan Zarez for North Country Public Radio. Keep up with NCPR throughout the day on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and at our website, ncpr.org. And while you're there, you can also contribute to support the news that you hear every day on Northern Light. Give now online at ncpr.org slash give. We are in the final days of our spring fundraiser. Here to tell us more is News Director David Summerstein. Hey, David. Hello, hello, Monica. Hello, Todd. Thank you very much to everybody who has given already. We've raised um, more than $232,000 and we're counting down now just about $73,000 left to raise in our spring fundraiser. It's a lot of money. Tomorrow is the last day. So much work more to do. And you can help us right now getting, knocking down that total and paying the bills for public radio by making a donation right now at ncpr.org slash give or call and you can talk to somebody and they can walk you through the process. 1-877-388-6277. We've heard from so many listeners and online contributors around the country. Mary Jo Kessner in Guildford, Connecticut. Thank you so much. We heard from Steve DeHondon in Saranac Lake this morning. Tom Dickinson in Harrisville. Thank you very much. Thanks to Barbara Rodier and Richard Jarvis in Vermontville and James and Cindy Bisson in Pierceville, who say, in Piercefield, who say that NCPR is the most important media outlet we have serving our North Country community. You listen to Northern Light every morning. You rely on uh, regional news and national news from NCPR. Be like those people who you just heard and make that donation ncpr.org slash give or call 1-877-388-6277 thanks very much Listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's 11 minutes past 8. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, we'll get a preview of some of the events happening throughout the community and an update on our spring fundraiser. That's just ahead in a few minutes here on Northern Light. Music by Evan Veenstra in Gananaque, Ontario. And you can hear more of his music on our website. It's part of the Underscore Project. Check it out online anytime. ncpr.org slash underscore. 
Northern Light is supported by Gray and Gray and Associates CPAs, an accounting and financial services firm in northern New York with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida. GrayCPAS.com. And by Renew Architecture and Design, offering custom design services from the St. Lawrence River Valley to the Adirondacks. More at RenewArchitecture.com. Make your gift for our spring fundraiser. Northern Light listeners, now is the time. You pick the dollar amount. Every membership matters. ncpr.org slash give or at 877-388-6277. Thanks. More than six months after the state's chief judge, Janet DeFiore, resigned, New York still does not have a replacement. But it could still be some time before that happens. Governor Kathy Hochul has until April 23rd to make a new selection and then seek approval from the state Senate. From Albany, Karen DeWitt has more. In New York, the governor gets to appoint the chief judge and the other six judges on the state's highest court, the Court of Appeals, with the advice and consent of the state Senate. Governor Kathy Hochul chose Hector LaSalle as her choice for chief judge in December from a list of names of qualified candidates it was put forth by the Judicial Nomination Commission. But she failed to win the support of Democrats who lead the Senate. They believe that LaSalle was too conservative to head the court. He was voted down by the Senate Judiciary Committee. After a weeks-long standoff, minority party Republicans filed a lawsuit to try to force a full vote of the Senate. Two days before a judge was to hear the case, Democrats held a vote on the Senate floor, and LaSalle was rejected again. Ayes 20 and ayes 39. The nomination fails. The process started over with a new list of names. They include three judges who are already on the Court of Appeals, Shirley Troutman and Rowan Wilson, who are both African-American, and Anthony Canataro, who is the acting chief judge. If Hochul chooses one of them, then she would also need to pick a new associate judge. The governor has not yet announced her choice, but she signaled she might pick one of the three. The legislature, at Hochul's request in late March, approved special legislation it would allow Hochul to choose two judges from the new list of names. That would avoid having to go back to the nominating commission for a third time, a process that could take several more months and leave the court with just six judges for as long as a year. Hochul, in an interview with Public Radio, did not rule out picking one of the three sitting judges to be chief judge and another from the same list to be a new associate judge. That is certainly one of the options, and a bill just gives us maximum flexibility. Hochul's says she still believes LaSalle would have been the right person for the job. She says he was neither conservative nor liberal, but someone who let the law and legal precedents govern his decisions. She says she will seek the same qualities in her next choice. I want someone who looks at each case that comes before them without a political leaning, where you can say this person is left, this person's right. That is not how we lift up jurisprudence in the state of New York. We want someone who's fair, open-minded, smart, has experience. So I've not wavered from the objectives that I had before. 
Those are still my objectives today. Even before Hochul has named her new choice, there are already some wrinkles emerging. Senate Republicans are once again threatening to go to court. They say the state's constitution does not allow for two nominees for the Court of Appeals to be chosen from just one list. Senate GOP leader Robert Ort says the commission needs to come up with a separate set of names for each opening on the court. The law, I think, itself, I do believe in talking to some attorneys is unconstitutional. Um, you know, there may be other groups that also might be interested in bringing a lawsuit. Government reform groups who supported the creation of the Judicial Nomination Commission back in the 1970s have also said they think the new law is unconstitutional. The process to choose a new chief judge was already facing delays. Hochul has said that she does not expect to name her new choices until after the state budget is finished and the spending plan is already going to be at least 10 days late. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. village of Lake George's first new mayor in more than 50 years was sworn in Monday. Ray Perry succeeds Bob Lay, who was the longest serving active mayor in the country before he retired last month. According to the Glens Falls Post-Star newspaper, Perry is an independent contractor who's been on the village board since 2007. He ran for mayor unopposed. St. Lawrence University's president is the North Country Regional Economic Development Council's new co-chair. Dr. Catherine Morris succeeds former Jefferson Community College president Dr. Ty Stone as the council's academic co-chair. In a statement, Morris said she was pleased to represent St. Lawrence and other colleges, quote, as we work together with businesses and nonprofit organizations to foster economic development in the region. Regional Economic Development Councils bring together local experts and stakeholders to help decide how to dole out state funding. And a skate park is coming to Fall Island in Potsdam. According to the Watertown Daily Times, the village board voted unanimously to spend $600,000 in downtown revitalization initiative funding on the park. That comes from money that was previously declined by two local businesses. It's, It's expected the state park will be built in summer 2024. But here at North Country Public Radio, we can't wait till 2024 for all of us to come together and contribute to say yes to the program programming that you hear on NCPR and the news that you get every morning on Northern Light. Now is the time to support it. Give now online at ncpr.org slash give. And here in the studio with us is the person that edits each and every one of the stories that you hear. Such an important part of the process. David Summerstein. Hey. Hey, Monica. Hello, Todd. Hello, listeners. Just taking a moment out of Northern Light. We have lot. We have uh, lots more uh, to bring you of regional events and regional arts going on around the North Country. We can only do it with your donation, ncpr.org slash give. Go online and do that right now. I know it's a busy morning and there's a lot to do. We're in the second last day of our spring fundraiser. And so you taking that moment says something so important about the importance of regional journalism, local journalism here in the North Country. You taking that moment and giving it, ncpr.org slash give says, hey, 
this matters to me. I want to help make sure that local journalism is strong in the North Country. You can also call somebody, 1-877-388-6277. You'll also, everybody who contacts us, you're also going to get entered into our grand prize drawing, which is a $2,000 gift card. So you have a chance to win 2000 bucks. You could donate $10 and get $2,000. It works great. Why not? You can donate 10 a month and get the NCPR um, uh, retro t-shirt that Todd Moe is wearing right now. It won't be the same t-shirt. We'll give you your own. We promise. NCPR.org slash give or call one 388 6277 So important to support public radio journalism right now with facts, with information, conversation, music, what you rely on year-round. Help pay for it now. NCPR.org slash give. Back to Todd and Monica and Northern Light. Thanks a lot. Listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a minute, we'll get a look at some of the events happening throughout the community in the coming days. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note. More and more parrots are coming to the U.S. We'll have more on that coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Well, we started out with, uh, boy, yesterday was weird with like, you know, freezing rain and rain and then the temperature going from like the 30s into the 40s later in the afternoon. Very odd, but I guess it's April here in the North Country. The Weather Service says today we've got partly cloudy skies, winds out of the west-southwest, gusts up to 30, 40 miles per hour at times, especially along eastern Lake Ontario. Uh, highs in the 50s, lows in the 30s tonight, tomorrow. A little cooler, highs in the low 40s with partly cloudy skies on Friday. Should be a nice weekend, uh, at least in terms of sunshine, both Saturday and Sunday. 40s for highs on Saturday and on Sunday, highs near 50, light winds out of the north. And then starting next week, we're going to see highs in the afternoon, uh, in the in the afternoons in the 50s and 60s next week. No promises, of course, but that is the weather forecast. It's going to feel uh, more like spring starting next week. And, uh, Monica, Saturday night, this Saturday night at 8 o'clock at St. Lawrence University in Peterson Kermani, Peterson Kermani Performance Hall, internationally acclaimed guitarist Maria Zemantowski will present a program of classics, stunning original guitar flamenco, embracing the classical and traditional flamenco repertoire for her foundation, Maria will take us on a, a musical journey inspired by her flair for experimentation and just pure love of the instrument. And I've got some music here to share by Maria. This is a piece called Mango Rouge, which I guess means uh, red mango. The red mango. Yeah, this is Maria <laughs> Zemantowski.
Menko guitarist Maria Zemantowski, Mango Rouge, and uh, you can hear more of her music Saturday night, this Saturday night at 8 in Peterson Kermani Performance Hall at St. Lawrence University. She'll be playing some of her favorites um, uh, and some of the really classics in flamenco guitar and her own original music as well. Maria Zemantowski, Saturday night, 8 o'clock, PK Performance Hall at St. Lawrence University. Illustrator, author Claudia McKee is in the North Country for the Creative Catalyst Exploring Rockwell Kent's Alaskan Adventure. It's a mini symposium today and tomorrow at SUNY Plattsburgh. She's an award-winning author and illustrator of 10 natural history-themed picture books, including My Wilderness, an Alaskan Adventure, a historic fiction memoir based on Rockwell Kent and son Rocky's time on Fox Island, Alaska. Uh, again, illustrator, author, Claudia uh, McKee uh, in the North Country at SUNY Plattsburgh today and tomorrow for a mini symposium. A lot of things going on around our region uh, and uh, including the spring fundraiser here at North including, Country Public Radio. <laughs> exactly, including the spring fundraiser here at North Country Public Radio. We are in the last couple of days of the spring fundraiser. We still have about $73,000 to raise and you can help take us there. It's only possible when each of us gives what we can, whether it's $10 a month, $20 a month, whatever works for you works for North Country Public Radio. Go to ncpr.org slash give and say yes to this programming that you hear. Yes to this station that strives to be a reflection of the community that we are in. This matters to you. This is important to you. This is important to your neighbors. Give now to support it at ncpr.org slash give or call 877-388-6277. At its best, Depth, context, and attention are the signature of North Country Public Radio. I know you and I are similar in that you see that we're all connected. You view our world as this interconnected web of relationships, and you want the dots connected by focusing on the why, not just the what of issues and events. You believe in the power to find solutions for problems in our community, our nation, our world, and you know that you find that here on North Country Public Radio. Give now to support it at ncpr.org slash give. Make your gift on the phone, 877-388-6277. Make your gift online, ncpr.org slash give. We are $700 away from a $233,000 mini goal. Get us there with your gift right now, ncpr.org slash give, or call us at 877-388-627. Hey, the fundraiser ends tomorrow night, folks. Now is the time. Seize the moment. Make a donation. Always NCPR. Thanks so much. That's Northern Light uh, for this Thursday. It's the 6th of April. Passover starts this evening. Happy Passover. And uh, join us again tomorrow. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Be well. <laughs>